Welcome to another iGrow season at APC. We're so glad you've tuned in. Our church is blessed with excellent teachers of the Word of God, and our hope is that you find today's teaching enlightening, motivational, and encouraging. To learn more about our church, visit theapc.org or find us on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. So sit back, relax, and enjoy today's lesson. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to iGrow Lesson 2 and James Chapter 2. We're very excited to have everyone here tonight. Um, how's everybody doing tonight? Good? Everybody's good? It's so nice to see everyone. Really happy that you're here. Um, so before we start, we would like to start in prayer. And so let's go ahead and pray. Lord Jesus, thank you, God, that we have this opportunity to gather in your name, Lord, to seek your face, to read your word, to understand. God, I thank you so much for the privilege that we have in this country. Lord, there are many places on this earth that it's not permitted for people to gather, and we thank you, Lord, for this freedom. God, I pray, Lord, that you would focus our minds and our hearts Lord Jesus, that you would open understanding, that you would give us revelation. Lord, I pray that you would anoint the teaching and anoint the receiving of this precious word. In Jesus' name, amen. All righty. So before we get on with the teaching, we're going to read the book of James chapter 2 so that we can have that fresh. And I'm going to ask if people could take turns. So I'll go first. And then people just volunteer or whatever. Um, my brethren, have not the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with respect of persons. For if there come unto your assembly a man with a gold ring in goodly apparel, and there come in also a poor man in vile raiment, and ye have respect to him that weareth gay clothing, and say unto him, Sit thou here in a good place, and say to the poor, Stand thou there, or sit here under my footstool. Are you not then partial in yourselves and are becoming judges of evil thoughts? Hearken, my beloved brethren, hath not God chosen the poor of this world rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom which he hath promised to them that love him? But ye have despised the poor. Do not rich men oppress you and draw you before the judgment seats? Do, they, do not they blaspheme that worthy name by the which ye are called? If you fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself, you do well. But if you have respect to persons, you commit sin and are convinced of the law as transgressors. For whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point, he is guilty of all. For he that said, Do not commit adultery, said also, Do not kill. Now if thou commit no adultery, yet if thou kill, thou art become a transgressor of the law. So speak ye, and so do and she that shall be judged by the law of liberty. For he shall have judgment without mercy that hath showed no mercy, and mercy rejoiceth against judgment. What doth it profit, my brethren, though a man say he hath faith and hath not works? Can faith save him? 
If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto them, Depart in peace, be warned and filled, notwithstanding you give them not those things which are needful to the body, what doth it profit? Even so, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. Even so, faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. Thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works? when he had offered Isaac his son upon the altar? Seest thou how faith wrought with his works, and by works was faith made perfect? And the scripture was fulfilled which saith, Abraham believed God, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness, as he was called the friend of God. You see then how that by works a man is justified, and not by faith only. Likewise also was not Rahab the harlot justified by works when she had received the messengers and had sent them out another way? For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is also dead. Thank you for your volunteering. So this chapter is about judgment. The faith of our Lord Jesus Christ includes the fact that he loved the world and that he died for it. He died for Excuse me, for all people. When I was growing up, there was a song, Jesus Loves the Little Children. Does anybody remember that? Part of that says, red and yellow, black and white, they are precious in his sight. And that is something we need to take into ourselves, that all people are precious, no matter what they are. Next slide, please. Oh, you've got it. Thank you. James 2 and 2, for if there come unto you your assembly a man with a gold ring and goodly apparel, and there come in also a poor man in vile raiment. But, you know, I'm going to read mine because I've got it from a different translation. My fellow believers, do not practice your faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ with an attitude of partiality toward people. Show no favoritism, no prejudice, no snobbery. And then Acts 10 and 34, Then Peter opened his mouth and said, Of a truth I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. To have respect of persons means to show favoritism towards some people over others. <clears throat> Early in this chapter, Peter was up on the roof. He was kind of in a trance, and God gave him a vision. There was a big sheet that came down from heaven full of unclean animals. And God said, rise, Peter, kill and eat. And Peter was like, no, I've never tasted anything common or unclean. God had to show him this vision three times to get this point across to him. God told him, what God has cleansed, you must not call common. We know at this time that the Gentiles were not favored by the Jewish people. Entering a Gentile home, fraternizing with Gentiles, that was forbidden for the Jews. That would make them unclean if they were even around the Gentile people. <clears throat> so this, Peter, 
follows what God says. He goes to Cornelius' house. He preaches the word. And lo and behold, Cornelius and all his house were filled with the Holy Ghost, speaking with other tongues. The same Holy Ghost that God gave to the Jewish people. Yes. Hallelujah. It's for everybody. Yes. This was a huge revelation for Peter. And probably the rest of them. Sure. Not just him. So think of Jesus in his lineage. There are many types of people. We have Rahab, the harlot. We have King David, who was a man after God's own heart, but he committed some terrible sin. When you look in Matthew chapter 1, all those begats, all the people listed in that lineage, there are many unknown and obscure people there. But God used all of them to make his way to earth. He came down through that line. He came from nothing in the worldly sense, born of a virgin with no status. He was born in a manger. Um, he chose to live in the tiny town of Nazareth, which was of no consequence. People even said, can anything good come out of Nazareth? He ministered to the lowly, cripples, lepers, destitute beggars, the hated people of the time, the Samaritans, all of the Gentiles in general. We see by his example that we need to treat all people with love. Um, I have a story to share about myself. Um, I was very new in the church, probably just a couple years old, and this is like 27 years ago. And we were having special services at our church. And back in that day, you printed flyers, and you went out and you handed them. We didn't have all of these social things that, hey, there's this, there's that. You can see it on Facebook or whatever. So I had my stack of flyers, and I was in the town where we were having the services, and going into stores, seeing people on the street or whatever. <clears throat> and I was walking down the sidewalk, and there was a man sitting over next to the sidewalk. He was dirty. He was unkempt. He didn't smell very good. All that whole, you can just imagine, the whole scene of that. And I looked, and I turned, and I said, I, I'm not giving him a flyer, and started to walk. And immediately, the Holy Ghost started ninjing at me, hey. <laughs> and I got all the way down to the corner, and it's like, okay, I have got to go back there and give him a flyer. So I did. Um, we cannot overlook anybody. We cannot make the decision, just because they're like that, they'll never come to God. Who are we? We are nothing. We, and that really taught me a big lesson about that. <clears throat> Excuse me. So I found an article, and I'm going to read it to you. It's called, uh, God's Judgment is Not Like Our Judgment. One day in downtown Montgomery, I saw a homeless stranger sitting on a bench. Because of his haggard appearance, I walked past him without acknowledging him. A half an hour later, a friend and I were walking toward a coffee shop. Suddenly, he sat down next to someone. To my astonishment, my friend sat down next to the homeless stranger that I had passed earlier. As the man began to talk, 
My countenance reeked of cold and distant disinterest. But the Holy Spirit slowly revealed my hypocrisy throughout the conversation and melted my heart to be consumed with compassion for Conte and contrition over my poor judgment. As the Holy Spirit transformed my heart, Conte became more than a homeless man. His profession of faith in Christ resounded with awe, wonder, and thanksgiving. He talked about the non-necessity of abundant material possessions. He recounted God's faithfulness in sustaining him. Conte delightfully pointed to the trees surrounding us, attesting to the glory of God revealed in them. He had a heart for the other homeless, leading him to buy and share meals with them. My initial judgment of Conte speaks to how wrongfully we judge one another. But as we reflect on God's perfect and loving judgment, we learn how we should treat one another. So God looks at the heart, not like us. We look at the outside. And there's a perfect example of this in the Old Testament when God sent Samuel to anoint the new king of Israel. Samuel, Samuel passed over all the impressive sons of Jesse. And then the one that was chosen was the least of these. David, the little one, the young one. By the world's standards. And people, as we see Samuel did, were quick to judge by what's on the outside. We must avoid this. We cannot let this come into us. We must retrain ourselves. Check in the word and ask God for the wisdom to be different. Is it next slide? I think it's next, next slide. slide. Thank you. Okay. So we'll connect this chapter to chapter one, talk about some things from chapter one. Now there are more things listed there than what I'm going to talk about, but you want to take notes or you remember from last week. Double-mindedness. Who can tell me what that is? When one part of yourself is kind of going after the things of God, but then you have like another you know, kind of dog in the fight in the world, so it's kind of like you're divided between yes. God and the world. That's a hard place. Mm -hmm. That's a hard place to be. The way that we observe and possibly judge people, we see in chapter 2 that we must have the mind of Christ in this area. We've got to line up with him and the way that he would have us to be. He can teach us to single-mindedly love people as he loves them. He can teach us not to divide and pollute our minds with judgmental thoughts and opinions about people. This, this division in our mind can cause division all around us, even in the body of Christ. And it is not God's will for that to be. His will is to be that we be unified in him to be good witnesses, and to be about the work of the kingdom. We also talked about being born of the word, and we need to be very careful with our words. Very important. We must monitor our thoughts and control the things that we say. And we can do this. Yes. You don't have to have the Holy Ghost either. God gave everybody a conscience, so we know. Some people say, oh, well, that's just how I am. Well, 
That might be, but that's not right. And we know. So we need, we need God to help us with that. Yeah. We need to be quick to hear and slow to speak. Okay. Philippians chapter 4 says, Think on these things, the good, the lovely, the good report. Asking God to purify our hearts and our minds. <clears throat> the combination of an unkind judgment and a loose tongue is a weapon of mass disruption. We can annihilate people with our words. Who can remember a time when somebody said something to them and it cut them right to the heart? People will never forget how you make them feel, good or bad. So let's choose the good. Yes. We must ask God for wisdom. We talked about that also. We need to ask him for wisdom to negotiate every encounter that we have with every person. And he will help us. Personally, if I'm struggling with a person or a situation, I will ask God, Lord, please let me see them as you see them. Let me love them as you love them. <clears throat> you never know the kinds of things that people are going through. You might be talking to someone, they just came from the deathbed of a relative, or just got a ticket for speeding, or you know, some kind, who knows? Nobody knows. So be kind, so important that we bring that love of Christ with us. <clears throat> it's so important to filter everything that you say, do, and hear through Jesus. Next, next slide, I think. I'm not too, well, I don't really need that yet, but we'll, we'll take it. So we've been talking about the things that God wants and God's pleased about. Now we're going to talk about the world's culture. What does the world system respect? Anybody have any thoughts on that? Success. Success. Power. Power. Influence. Influence. Very good. Education. Education. Money. Money. Attire. Needs clothes. Beauty. Beauty. Sweet. <laughs> <laughs> Accomplishments. Right? So, at this time in history, the Jewish Christians are being spread out into the world. They weren't anymore in Jerusalem with their cozy church family comfortable, being supported by one another. They were like that. <clears throat> it was a time of uncertainty and unrest, very difficult. They're seeing Gentiles coming into the church. They're seeing Jewish people who have not converted to Christianity. There's oppression from them, oppression from the Romans. They encountered these worldly attitudes and judgments, just like we do today. Very same. Cliques, gangs, political parties, people gathering into groups who must pass mustard in order, or muster, not mustard. <laughs> ah, muster to belong. Who remembers grade school, junior, senior high, college? The cool kids, the jocks, the cheerleaders. 
Whatever the focus was, where some people lifted themselves up about the others and shunned the rest. I can remember hearing people in school making fun of the lunch lady, making fun of the janitors, um, other students. Young people can be very cruel. In Bible times, we see how the Pharisees judged others and how they saw themselves. They loved the higher seats at the gathering halls, the prestige of having high position in the synagogue, accruing wealth, being ad admired for their higher education, being envied by people of a lower station in life, looking down on the poor and the afflicted. We can cite an example in Luke 18, 11. We have the tax collector and the Pharisee are in the temple praying. <clears throat> the Pharisee is bragging out loud about how superior he is and berating all the people that he looked down on, including the tax collector, right in front of him. I mean, out loud, so the tax collector probably could hear that. I can't imagine. But all the while that he is praying, he is in the throes of sin by making judgments on himself and on other people. We cannot fall into that trap. This is the world's view. A friend of the world is not a friend of God. So last week in Kids Power Hour, we had a lesson on Samson and Delilah and talked about making friends. So we look and, you know, Samson, he falls in love with her and she's beautiful and she's sexy and she's appealing in all these different ways. Oh, I've got to have her. So they get together. Then let's look at Delilah. She's beautiful on the outside, but the inside is definitely in question. First off, she's the enemy. She was a Philistine, the enemy of Israel, right? She betrays Samson for money. She doesn't care that he's being taken away. His eyes were gouged out. They treated him like an animal, hooking him up so that he could grind the, the rain at the mill, and ultimately he dies, all because of her betrayal. She may have been beautiful on the outside, but oh, the inside. Horrible. Dirty. We need God's guidance in selecting friends. <laughs> I, I thought I was going to get dizzy there for a minute. We also need his guidance about allowing people to get close to us. We have to be very cautious about this. We cannot afford to be worldly in any area or we will not make it to heaven. God chooses foolish things of the world to confound the wise. <coughs> Consider the disciples. They were ignorant unlearned, unrefined fishermen. 
How could they even know the scriptures having never learned? You know, they, they're dirty, they're sweaty, they smell like fish. They're wearing that old rough cloth that's itchy and scratchy. You know, they don't, they don't look good. How could they know anything? They've never been to school. How could they know? Each one was handpicked by God to carry his message, to preach, to share with other people, to help people. That God, sometimes he, he does things we don't expect. Is it next? I'm sorry. I'm just having trouble with these. <laughs> I'm not. Uh, okay. okay. That, that, this is it. This is the right one. So now we're going to connect the respective persons to trials. How can this be or become a trial for us not to judge others by the sight or world standards? How is it a trial for us to treat people the way God has instructed us to? Anybody have any thoughts? On that? It's been a trial for me when people are so different. Like when the Lord called me into jail ministry and he very much told me, you can do this. And I said, oh no, I cannot do this. Mm-hmm. And then he showed me that he wanted me to. And I then, you know, by the help of the Holy Ghost and uh, studying the word, he went with me and I did it. It's just very hard when people are different, you know, to relate yes. to them. And we, like this says up here, we gravitate toward those that are like us, that we relate to. Very true. Very true. Sometimes it can be our pride. Sometimes it can be rebelliousness. We are conditioned by the world's examples to treat people badly today. Social media, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, I know there's others, I don't have a clue what they all are, but those platforms encourage it. You're always seeing, you know, this, or just mean, terrible things that the people say. Public broadcasting through television and news, radio, newspaper, criticize everyone and everything. I grew up in the 60s and the 70s, and it was a very rebellious time in this country. But I can promise you, no one ever got on TV or put in the newspaper or went on radio and cut down the president, um, personal criticisms and slurs, and just today it's shocking to me the kinds of things that are put out there. You know, it's, it's okay. Say what you want. Freedom of speech. doesn't matter if you hurt anybody. It doesn't matter if you have a bad influence. <coughs> it's pretty terrible. In our, hum- our sinful human nature, we can be tempted to do the same. Who's ever heard of the herd mentality? You know, you get a bunch of people together. Everything's going fine. Then all of a sudden, oh, did you know about this? And look what they did. Blah, blah. And then, so easily, you can just slip into that. Mm -hmm. So easily. We must be careful about what we see, what we hear, and who we spend time with. Another thing that can contribute is influences in our upbringing. Some of us may have grown up in a home where there were terrible prejudices and judgments upon people. 
I am someone who was raised in a home like this. In my house, there was so much hatred for many people, black people, Jewish people, oriental people, Italian, Irish, um, Catholics. There was no limit to the criticisms and I can't even, I would not even begin to repeat the kinds of things that I heard as a child about people. Even about people that lived in our town. Um, <clears throat> and I was the odd one in my family. My brother, who's three and a half years younger, he and my parents had this same kind of a mindset. And I really didn't. I didn't understand. Like, why, why is it, are they not okay? You know, I couldn't ever get get what was the matter with that. Um, and they made fun of me. Oh, you're bleeding heart. You know, you're stupid. You're, you don't know, you know, things like that. So being raised in that kind of an atmosphere, even when you leave it, there are things that are in you because of that. God really had to help me because there were just these things, you know? Even though I didn't agree with the things that they said, there were still things that hung and were inside. Even now, sometimes things will pop into my head. Words, slurs, opinions, just things. And it's like, no, that is not me. I am a child of God. That is not, I do not accept that. We must guard against these evil thoughts and opinions. What do we do when we look at a person? If we're humble, we will seek wisdom from God. We must have that love shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, that agape love, his spirit loving others through us. It can be hard but God requires it of us, and he will help us. We just need to ask for wisdom. And now, I bring to you Sister Jill, who will bring the remainder of the lesson. Thank you, Sister Elma. I enjoyed that. Okay, so we've been talking about, uh, I, don't, I want to go back to where we were. Thank you. Uh, we've been talking about respecter of persons in the church and then out in the world, double-mindedness and relating that to how we're not very wise, we don't have wisdom from heaven if we've got these worldly things going on in us. We are not born of the world, we're born of the word. So that seed's got to be bringing fruition, and James is calling us to the carpet about how we treat people. Do we have a worldly mindset, or have we learned from God what he wants us to do, and are we obeying it? Faith without works is dead. Are we doing these things? And they are trials for us. It's hard to do the things that God has called us to do. It's not easy, is it? But he helps us, and when we turn to him and ask for his help and ask to do the right thing, but that's often the trial 
We don't want to do that. We'd rather do what we're comfortable with. But he stretches us and he gets us out of our comfort zone. So I think a really wise question on this when we're studying this book is who and what does God respect? Well, Lord, who do you? What, what do you respect? Second Chronicles 19.7 says, So now let the fear, which is the reverent awe of the Lord, be on you. It's to keep you from making unjust decisions, isn't it? Fear the Lord, not who? Man. Fear God. So, so now let the fear of the Lord be on you to keep you from making unjust decisions. Be careful in what you do, for there is no injustice with the Lord our God. No injustice. His judgment's pure. It's right. Or partiality. There's no partiality with him. Or acceptance of a bribe. So we've got, to, we've got to have this wisdom from him. Next slide, please. Cain and Abel, when you go there in Genesis 4, it says, And in the process of time it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. And Abel, he also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of the fat thereof. And then look, and the Lord had what? Respect, Respect unto Abel and to his offering. But unto Cain and his offering, he had no respect. Wait a minute. How? Cain's bringing the prettier offering. He's got the fruit and it all looks good and he's grown it. God's not accepting it. Abel's bringing that little bloody lamb, the firstlings from his flock. And when we go to Hebrews 11.4, we find out by faith. Say by faith. By faith. Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. He did what he had heard the instructions to do. Faith comes by hearing. He heard it and he did it. By which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by it he being dead yet speaketh. You know what he speaks? Do the right thing, even if it costs you your life. Do the right thing. You'll get the approval of God. So, next slide please. We are to think soberly. Say soberly. Soberly. Romans 12, 3. For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought. That's it. Pride. That sin that wants to rule in our mortal bodies. The big I. We think too much of ourselves. When we look on our brothers and sisters, the Word of God teaches us to consider them better than ourselves. Right. That means we have to take up our cross, doesn't right. it? Because we're just real, real proud of our of who we are. We're just very foolishly. Not to think of himself more highly than he ought, but to think soberly according as God has dealt to every man, say the measure of faith. And then the commentary from the Apostolic Bible says, we have no cause for our seeming ourselves higher than others when we realize that God is the source of our faith and that God has given a measure of faith to every one of us. God has granted faith to every member of the church, specifically faith that enables us to live for God and to work for Him. So if you're doing something wonderful for God, you can't be snooty about it. God gave you the ability to do it, the wisdom and the faith and the ability. Right. Next slide, please. 
A renewed mind begins with thinking soberly about oneself. We cannot have that worldly mindset. We've got to have the illumination of God's word. We've got to have the Holy Ghost leading and guiding us. The first step in changing behavior is self-observation. 1 Corinthians 11, 28 through 32. Avery, would you read that? Yeah. But a person must prayerfully examine himself and his relationship to Christ, and only when he has done so should he eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without solemn reverence and heartfelt gratitude for the sacrifice of Christ eats and drinks a judgment on himself. Does what? A judgment on himself. Mm -hmm. You can't have anything against a brother or sister before you sit here. You can't have you can't have these sins in you. Okay, keep going. A judgment on himself if he does not recognize the body of Christ. That careless and unworthy participation is the reason why many among you are weak and sick and a number sleep in death. But if we evaluated and judged ourselves honestly, recognizing our shortcomings and correcting our behavior, we would not be judged. But when we fall short and are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined by undergoing his correction so that we will not be condemned to eternal punishment along with the world. So we want him to correct us on unjust judgment, don't we? Because we don't want to be condemned with the world. Correct me, God, but better yet, let me correct myself. Let me get it done before you have to do it. Amen. Let's go to the next slide, please. Who's familiar with Naaman the leper in 2 Kings 5? Naaman is a Syrian, and there's a little Jewish girl in captivity, and she's working for his wife. You know the story? He's an awesome man. He's very accomplished. He's very valuable to the Syrian king, but there's a problem. Say he has leprosy. He has leprosy. He has leprosy. And in the Bible, leprosy spiritually is sin. Remember we talked about the spin, keep yourself unspotted from the world, the leprosy of sin and what it can do to you. So he's got leprosy, and the little, uh, the little, Maid, the wife's little maid said, oh, I wish that he could go to Samaria and that the prophet could pray for him. So he finds out, hey, there may be hope for me. So he talks to the king, he gets gold, he gets silver, he gets ten garments, and he heads out and he goes to the king in Israel. And uh, the king says, no, no, and the prophet, you know, he tears his garment. You know, he's got the fear of the Lord. I can't heal, heal you. But the prophet hears about it and says, send him to me. So he goes, he's got his fancy chariot, his horses, all his gifts. He's got those and he's coming and he wants to get healed of leprosy. And he goes and the prophet does not even come out to greet him or anything. Sends instructions, says, go dip seven times in the uh, Jordan River. And boy, that offends Naaman. He is so offended. He said, I thought he'd come out and lay hands on me. And aren't our rivers better? You know, and he names his rivers than this old muddy Jordan. But the people that are with him, they wisely counsel him and talk him into dipping. And he dips seven times in that old muddy Jordan. And his skin comes out like a little baby. And he's healed. Because he obeyed. He overcame the offense. And he obeyed. Next slide, please. He thought it would be like this. He thought he would come in his beautiful clothes and different things. 
But that's not the way it was. It was that old muddy river. God has chosen the foolish things to confound the wise. For ye see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world. That's so foolish. Seven times in a muddy river. But guess what? All of Syria is going to find out that the God that's in Israel healed him of leprosy. No other God could do but God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and God has chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty and base. Say base. Base. Base things of the world. And things which are despised have God chosen, yea, and things which are not to bring to naught things that are. They're going to make us crucify our flesh. we got to take up a cross. It's not going to be comfortable. It's not comfortable. Second Kings five twenty six. Well, let me tell you this: for Gehazi, the servant of the prophet, when the prophet refuses the gold and the silver and the garments, and Gehazi lust after them. Say so the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, pride of life, all that's in the world. It's not of God. We can't be a friend of the world. We make ourselves the friend of the world. We make ourselves what? An enemy of God. Gehazi, in his stupidity, runs after stops naming on his way out of town and says, hey, he's changed his mind. He wants a few things. We've had some prophets come in. And he gets a couple of garments and he gets some silver. And he thinks nobody knows what's in his heart. And he runs back and he hides it from Elijah. And Elijah calls him in and calls him on the carpet about it. And says, didn't my heart go with you? Didn't you know? And this is what 2 Kings 5, 26, this is what he tells him. It is not a time to receive money or to receive garments, or olive yards, or vineyards, or sheep, or oxen, or men servants, or maid servants. It's not that time. The leprosy, therefore, of Naaman shall cleave unto thee and unto thy seed forever. And he went out from the present presence a leper as white as snow, cursed generations after him. It's going to be on you. You lived in the house of a prophet. You heard thus say it, the Lord. You saw a miracle and you were so unwise because you did not discern. It's not time for that. It's not time for respect of persons. It's not time for making a name for ourselves. It's not time for accumulating weight. It's time to win souls. It's time to go out. It's time to take up our cross and follow him. And we can be a leper yes. if we don't get a spiritual leper. If we don't get this word in us, and if it doesn't bring forth seed. Next one, please. God's ways are not our ways. Oh, wait, I'm sorry. Come back down. No, that was it. I'm sorry, babe. No, there we go. Excuse me, Brother Bruce Melder. <laughs> consider consider An Ananias and Sapphira. 
It's not a time to do this, Ananias and Sapphira. Everybody's getting the Holy Ghost. Acts 2, 3,000 people added to the church. Holy Ghost moving on people, love of God in their hearts. They're selling possessions. They're helping the poor. They're doing things. But Ananias and Sapphira have a piece of land, and they privately agree, husband and wife, let us sell this, and let us say that we got, say, $3,000 for it, but we're really getting five, and we'll go in and we'll give the $3,000. And say so they agree to lie. So they go in, or they go in separately, but Ananias goes in and he lays the money at uh, Peter's feet. Immediately Peter discerns it. Why have you decided to lie to the Holy Ghost? But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and secretly keep back for yourself some of the proceeds from the sale of the land? As long as it remained unsold, did it not remain to your own to do with as you pleased? And after it was sold, was the money not in your control? Why is it that you have conceived? Say conceived. When lust conceived. is conceived, it bringeth forth sin. When sin is finished, it bringeth forth death. Why have you conceived this act of hypocrisy and deceit in your heart? Ye have not simply lied to people, but to God. And hearing these words, Ananias fell down suddenly and died. And great fear and awe gripped those who heard it. Bringing that into the house of the God. It's not a time for this. That's of the world. This is different. There's 12, or next one please. There's 12 scriptures in the book of James on faith. And, and many of them are from the chapter you're in. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavers is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. That's the one that's asking God for wisdom. Because we know every good thing comes from him. And all we have, tonight Tom was telling me about a decision that he was trying to make over a phone. I said, have you prayed about it? Have you asked God for wisdom? Two, one, my brethren, have not the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, say the Lord of glory. The Lord of glory. With respect to persons. Those don't mix. Amen. You cannot have that. Hearken, my beloved brethren, hath not God chosen the poor of this world, rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he had promised to them that what? Love that's who's going to get eternal life. That's who's going to get the crown of life. Because if we love him, we'll do what? We'll obey him. He can say, well done to us. James 2.14, what doth it profit? My brethren, though a man say, have faith and have not works. Can faith save it? No. Even so, faith that has not works is dead, being alone. Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? Seest thou how faith wrought with his works, and by works was faith made perfect? That's Abraham. Was it uncomfortable for Abraham to offer up his only begotten son? <laughs> 
and to do. And also Rahab is an uh, example. Was it uncomfortable for Rahab to go against the people of her land because she believed in the God of Israel and showed kindness and love to a foreign people that she didn't know and risk her life and save them? Amen. It's uncomfortable. It's not, our cross isn't comfortable, is it? No. No, it crosses our, yes. it crosses our personality, it yes. crosses our plans, it crosses our ways. For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead. But 1 John 5, 4 says, For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. How you treat people, how you love people, what you bring into God, your works, are they of faith? Let us examine ourselves. So we must cooperate with God in perfecting our faith. Say, I've got to cooperate. I've got to cooperate. Do you remember from chapter 1 that we're all fractured, we're not whole, and that we've got to, the trial of our faith will perfect us? And that we're going to have to have patience in these different things. Abraham is shown. Rahab is shown. So one of the main themes in the book of James is practicing religion, practical religion, manifest itself in good works contrasted with the mere profession of faith. Next one, please. So God has used, chosen to use poor people who are rich in faith to advance his kingdom. Those who love him and obey him and endure the testing of their faith, what will they inherit? The There's nothing greater than that. Next one, please. Consider, we're, taught, we're told an example of, say, a garment, a garment. and a place to sit a in James 2. Right? Mm -hmm. Where else do we see a garment and a place to sit? Wait. Where do we see it in the Bible? A garment and a place to sit. Wedding. The wedding garment. Jesus' teaching on the kingdom of heaven likens it to a wedding banquet given by a king for his son. Many guests are invited, but all of the invited guests refuse to come. A second invitation is sent out. The king prepares more exotic food and again sends servants out to bring guests. The invited guests ignore the invitations. Other guests actually mistreat and kill the king's servants. The furious king sends his army to destroy those evil guests and to burn their city. The servants are now instructed go out in the street corners and invite everybody to the wedding. Go into the highways and byways. Soon the royal palace is filled with people. Bruce, what does this parable, what's it talking about? What's it mean? Uh, the kingdom of God, the bride and the bridegroom, and uh, the marriage supper, the land, So everybody had an invitation, but there were two, that, well, not everybody, it was kind of an exclusive invitation, but they, they didn't want it, did they? No. They were too busy. So it got opened up and let out to where everybody could go. Matthew 22, 10 and 14 says, 
So those servants went out into the highways and gathered together as many as they found, both bad and good, and the wedding was furnished with guests. And when the king came in to see the guests, he saw there a man which had not on a wedding garment, say so he didn't have on the right outfit. He didn't have on the right outfit. And he said unto him, Friend, how camest thou in hither not having a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then said the king to the servants, Bind him hand and foot, and take him away, and cast him into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. So we are invited today to eat at the wedding table. Every word of God. It's laid out. It's a banquet before us. But few are responding enough to being chosen. In verse 11, the king comes and sees one who did not have on the wedding garment. Notice that to this point in the parable, no one has addressed the qualifications for acceptance. The king's very first concern is proper attire, what they're wearing. What does that mean? Isaiah 61 gives us a little bit of insight. I will rejoice greatly in the Lord. My soul will exult in my God, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation. He has covered me with a robe of righteousness as a bridegroom, as a bridegroom puts on a turban and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. So it's ironic that we can be judging people by their outward appearance and they can look so well, but their garments are moth-eaten and they have leprosy and we don't see it. And the world respects it and in our flesh we desire to respect it too. And we can be looking at one chosen by the king who knows and reads the word of God who God uses greatly in faith, and we can judge ourselves better because the standards of the world, we cannot have that in the kingdom. Isaiah 64, 6, God inspires Isaiah to warn Israel that all their righteousness are like filthy rags. Say their righteousness. Their righteousness. Like filthy rags since their sinful attitudes pollute their deeds. The impurity of their motives taint all their prayers, their sacrifices, their offerings, their praises. Thus God deeply detests and abhors them. He hates it. He hates to hear them pray. He hates everything they're giving him because everything is tainted. Revelation 3, 4, and 5. But you have a few people in Sardis who have not soiled their clothes. That is, they are not contaminated their character and personal integrity with sin. And they will walk with me dressed in white because they are worthy. They're righteous. He who overcomes the world through believing that Jesus is the Son of God will will accordingly be dressed in white clothing, and I will never blot out his name from my book of life, and I will confess and openly acknowledge his name before my Father and before his angels, saying that he is one of mine. And then Revelation 19, 7 through 9, let us rejoice and shout for joy, 
Let us give glory and honor for the marriage of the Lamb has come at last, and his bride, the redeemed, say, has prepared herself. Has prepared herself. She, has, she has been permitted to dress in fine linen, dazzling, white and clean, for, for the fine linen, listen, the fine linen signifies the righteous acts, actions, the righteous acts of the saints. This has to do with ethical conduct, personal integrity, moral courage, godly character. Then the angel said unto me, Right, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, Further, these are the true and exact words of God. We must clothe ourselves with the Lord Jesus and make no provision, not even think about gratifying the flesh in regard to what it desires. A tire clothing and a seat and we can miss it we can completely miss it now Avery you told me that the thing you liked about James was you liked the one God scriptures and the one and Jen 2 1 of this chapter says my brethren have not the faith of our Lord Jesus the Lord of glory with respect of persons and actually, that verse wasn't translated as well as it could have been because it could say, Our Lord Jesus Christ, the glory. Our Lord Jesus Christ, the glory. Identifying Jesus himself as the glory of God. We don't know what he looks like now. He didn't look like much when he was here. There was no beauty in him that anybody would desire him. He came, like Sister Ellen told us tonight, Nazareth, poor. They didn't respect him. The worldly people did not respect him, the worldly religions. But when we see him, we shall be like him if we follow him. Let us remember when we look on people being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and beholding all things by the word of power when he had by himself purged our sins sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high so let us listen hath not God chosen the poor of this world rich in faith and heirs heirs of the kingdom which he had promised to them that love him